G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Jesus talked rather a lot about slavery on the one hand and freedom on the other. If you're a slave, freedom is a big deal. Now, he was talking to you and me. In fact, he still is. Because this whole freedom thing isn't just a theory lesson. He actually wants us to live it. Freedom. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the final message in this series called Reaping the Harvest of Righteousness to look at what that actually means. So let's do it. Let's dive into God's Word. And please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you how you can receive Christianity Works free daily devotional. It's called Fresh and it's all about helping you to live the abundant life that Jesus died and rose again to give you. share something with you today. Yours truly, I have to tell you, I'm not stupid. I may be short and slightly dumpy. I may have more grey hair than that of the original colour. It may be that I can't draw a picture for nuts. There are lots of things I can't do, lots of things I'm not great at, and lots of things I'm just not. But God has blessed me with a pretty nimble mind, so I'm not stupid. Now, the point of me telling you that isn't to boast. The point is that even though I'm a bit of a bright spark, I spent the first 36 years of my life in slavery. And here's the thing. I never realised it. That's the point. We can be as smart as smart can be. We, We can be as clever as clever can be on the one hand, but completely miss the whole point of life on the other. Do you get it? I mean, I kind of realised that something wasn't quite right. I, I kind of realised I didn't have the joy and the contentment in life that I was so looking for in everything I tried. But I simply had no idea that the reason for that was because I was a slave. A slave to self. A slave to sin. Now, this idea of slavery may seem a little harsh or extreme. It, it may seem that I'm somewhat overstating the case when I say that I was a slave to sin. After all, slavery is a brutal thing. Let's just stop and think for a moment what it means to be a slave. A slave is someone who has no rights. His or her master can abuse them. They have to do what their masters tell them to do. They have no freedoms. They can't come and go as they please. And if we look at slavery down through the ages, slaves are the most oppressed of all people. Somehow, innately, we know that men and women and children have been born to be free. It doesn't mean we can do anything we like. Obviously, we need laws, but good laws. So the human spirit is meant to be free albeit in the right and proper constraints of a society. So when someone becomes a slave, it's just wrong. Interesting, the Bible, which was written over a period of a couple of thousand years, the last books being completed in the the first century AD, the Bible doesn't take issue with slavery. Neither does it endorse slavery. It just kind of accepts it as a fact of life. Now, I have some ideas as to why that might be, but that's for another time. 
But God's word does link sin with the concept of slavery over and over and over again in the New Testament especially. Let's have a listen to what Jesus said on this. John chapter 8, beginning at verse 28. So, Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will realize that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as the Father instructed me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what is pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying, You will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place forever. So if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. Now, this is a really interesting exchange, and I can really, really put myself in the shoes of the people who took umbrage with Jesus about this whole slavery thing. Jesus is explaining that in order for people to be saved and have a relationship with God, they had to believe in him. That's radical. All the other messiahs out there, and there were lots of people claiming to be the promised messiah around Jesus' time, they all pointed at this or that or someone else. Jesus pointed at himself. Believe in me. He was directly claiming to be God in the flesh. Outrageously radical, which is one of the reasons the religious leaders had him crucified. But it says here, verse 30, that many believed. But then the bit that people took umbrage with. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you truly are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, when someone talks up to you and me about freedom these days, the first thing that we think about probably is not slavery, because most of us aren't slaves. Although I have no doubt that of the millions of people listening to this message around the globe right now, some in fact are slaves. Most of us aren't. And so if someone comes and talks to us about freedom, slavery is not front of mind. But it was back in the first century because there were lots of slaves. The words about being made free intentionally pointed to freedom from slavery. People knew what he was talking about, and that's how it was taken. And this is where the Jews who believed in him had a problem. They answered him, We're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? And that's where Jesus hits them between the eyes. Jesus answered them, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. Friend, sin is slavery. Let me say that again. Sin is slavery. It is a yoke of oppression. It robs us of freedom and of life. When we're wrapped up in our own selves and our own selfish desires, when we're trying to get the world to bow down to us rather than us loving and serving those around us, friend, we lose our lives. And Jesus came to set the captives free. That's why righteousness is so important. Righteousness is the opposite of sin. And as we saw last week on the program, righteousness is not just an attribute of God. It's something that God gives to us as a free gift when we believe in Jesus. We become the righteousness of God. Now, we're going to live life either in sin or in righteousness. We are. It's one or the other. 
And once we have a right standing with God, that's what righteousness means, once we become righteous because we believe in Jesus, we're meant to live that out. It's like the criminal who served his time in prison and he's released and he steps out of that gate and he either continues in his criminal ways, which many do, and they end up back behind bars, which frankly has always struck me as sheer lunacy, but shows you how powerful sin is in people's lives. Or following his release, he mends his ways and he lives out his new life of freedom and gets the benefits of all of that. He's not in prison anymore. He can live out his new life. The new man set free. Well, you and I have been set free if we believe in Jesus through faith. Question is, how are we going to live it out? I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional with a powerful scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free to get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh. Stop by our website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Online at ChristianityWorks.com, toll-free 1-300-722-415. So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through His Word. Now, one of the things that many people end up concluding in life is that they just don't have the power to change. They can see that something's wrong. They know what they are. They've tried to change, but somehow they just can't. I have some good news for you. God is that power, and he's already given that power to change to anyone who's put their trust in Jesus, his son. Now, Blind Freddy can see that being forgiven and having a right standing with God is only part of the equation. It's only the beginning. It's like a prisoner being set free at the end of his sentence. He steps out of the prison gate. It's a huge step, but it's only the first one of the rest of his life of freedom. Freedom is something to be lived out. And so it is for anyone who's taken the first step of believing in Jesus, believing what he did for us on that cross, believing that he rose from the dead to give us a new life, believing that he's placed his Holy Spirit inside us so that we can live that new life of freedom. Jesus said this, listen very carefully, John chapter 8, verses 34 to 36. Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And the Apostle Paul, some decades on, restates it so that we won't miss it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, the reason that we've been set free is in order to be free, to live out our new lives of freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. 
God hasn't set us free through this great and mighty act of love, the sacrifice of his son, in order for us to submit again to the yoke of slavery which sin places on us. He set us free so that we can be free from sin, free indeed. You and I both know, we chatted about this earlier, that a prisoner who has served his sentence steps out of that prison gate a free man, but he can return to his life of crime, and many of them do, and eventually he finds himself back behind bars. Or we can live out this new life as a free man, a free woman, without breaking the law, without turning against God for the rest of our days. I've never been incarcerated, but I'd have thought it'd be a horrible thing. I'd have thought that one night, let alone a year or two or twenty, would be more than enough to convince anyone not to re-offend. But many, many do, and the majority of people in prison today are in fact re-offenders. Incredible, mad you might say, but think about it. It's exactly what many a believer in Christ does. We believe, we take the first step of freedom, we believe in Jesus, but then we go on living just like before, only to discover that this newfound freedom in Christ isn't what it was cracked up to be because we're submitting back to that cruel yoke of slavery, which is sin. Now, in part, that's because sin is so deeply ingrained in our flesh. And the Apostle Paul has this exact same problem, Romans chapter 7, beginning at verse 15. I don't understand my own actions because I don't do what I want. I do the very thing that I hate. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I don't want. That's what I do. So I find this to be a law, that whenever I want to do this good, evil lies close at hand. I delight in the law of God in my innermost being, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. That's the problem we all face. Man, this sin thing is so strong in me. I am so weak. How am I? ever going to live it out, this righteousness of God? How am I ever going to reap the harvest, the blessing, the fruit of righteousness? I just can't do it. And therein lies the whole point. You and I can't do it. We, we can't do it on our own. We simply can't. I can't and you can't. We need the blessing of God. We need the power of God. The question is, where do you get it? The question is, will he give me the power? Will he give you the power? What would you say if I told you we already have the power. Have a listen to this promise from God's word. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. May grace and peace be yours in abundance in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Thus, he has given us, through these things, his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in this world because of lust and may become participants of the divine nature. Need something to be godly? I do. You do too, actually. Well, God has already given us that. Past tense. It is a done deal. Don't you love that? God has already given us Everything needed for life. In other words, he's given us our lives back, real life, abundant life, because we are now righteous through faith in Jesus and we have a right standing with him. But not just what's needed for life, but also for godliness. He's given us everything we need to escape from the corruption of this world and become, wait for it, participants of the divine nature, to be one with God, to know God so deeply for the image of God to be so bright and so vibrant and so powerful in us. Get it? We already have everything we need. 
just like Jesus prayed for us in John chapter 17, that we would become one with him the way he and his Father are one. We don't have to work at that. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we change. The more we love him and experience his love in return, the more our behaviour changes. And that's why we stand firm. That's why our lives are changed. For this reason, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with endurance and endurance with godliness and godliness with mutual affection and mutual affection with love. For if these things are yours and are increasing among you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8. to eight. Friend, God has already given you and me so much in Jesus. Wake up. Stop grumbling. Stop living under this deception that we can't beat sin in our lives. It's already beaten on the cross. We already have a new life through the empty tomb. We already have the power of the Spirit, the very same one who raised Jesus from the dead. Read it, Ephesians chapter 1. We have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing through Christ in heavenly places. Believe that. It's God's promise. It's the power of to change. Just believe. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. Sometimes with all that we have going on in life, it's difficult, if not impossible, to understand what God's up to. But God, let me tell you, is in the business of transforming your life from one degree of glory to the next. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called Laying Hold of Your New Life, and it's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching to help you live out the abundant life that Jesus died and rose again to bring you. In fact, at the end of each chapter, you'll find a series of life application questions to help you kind of think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your copy, stop by our website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and we'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that it'll be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll free on 1-300-722-415. So let me ask you a question that might be a bit confronting. What's the point of believing in Jesus? After all, it's not an easy road to choose. Is it just to get eternal life when we die? Or, or can we actually have a brand new life, a vibrant life, a blessed life here and now? Is that the point? Well, we're almost at the end of another series, and it's amazing how quickly time flies. Now, over these last few weeks, we've been talking about reaping a harvest, reaping the harvest of righteousness. As I've said on a few occasions now in this series, I used to think that righteousness was a bunch of rules I had to live by. Do this, and God will smile upon my life. Do that, whack, he'll punish me. That was my view of this word righteousness, which, let's face it, is not used so much these days anymore. But that's not what God had in mind when he had the Apostle Paul write these words in his letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight 
to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. It's not about rules. It's about love, see? And that's what I had to get out of my system. And to tell you the truth, my hunch is even after a decade and a half of walking with Jesus, even after almost a decade of teaching God's word on air as I'm doing right now, my hunch is I'm still getting this this misconception of a rule-based God out of my system. We all have to live by rules. The law for starters. Obviously, we all have to live by some rules. But by and large, we don't mind that. We get it, 99 times out of 100, that in order to live in a society, there have to be some boundaries set that organise the place and make sure everyone's kind of looked after and kept safe. But on the fringes of those rules, let's be honest, there are some rough edges. This is the place where arguments happen, on the fringes, on the borders, in the disputed territories. I mean, disputes between neighbours, what are they about? The fence line, the noise, they're about things either on the boundary or things that cross over the boundary that one party thinks, well, that's fine, and the other one thinks, no, it's not. It's the same in the home or at work. Disputes happen when someone breaks some rules that we have in our heads, whether they're valid or not. The more we think about it, the more rules are a big deal in this world. The ones that are written down called laws, the ones that are unspoken but accepted, and then the ones that you and I carry around as our own personal set of rules. So it's easy to imagine that God is this rule-bound God. After all, that's what the Old Testament's about. The whole Old Testament story of God loving and engaging his chosen people, Israel, and their universal inability to keep his law, his rules given through Moses. The whole of the Old Testament screams out at you that this whole rule thing just doesn't work. And there's a reason for that. Have a listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. My friends, you have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. While we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we're discharged from the law, dead to that which held us captive, so that we are slaves not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. See, there it is. All that rules really do is point out where we're going wrong. There's no power in the law to change our hearts. We work at it and we work at it and we're still not pure and holy and perfect the way God is. So the law holds us captive. But Jesus died and rose again, and those of us who believe in him, in effect, die and rise again. We die to sin, we die to the law, and we're raised up into a new life, born again. No longer under the burden of law, but a new life, a transformed life, living in love and forgiveness, living as one with God, because he put his Holy Spirit in us. A new law in the Spirit, the law of life rather than of death. How is this possible? Because all my sins, past, present and future, have been paid for by Jesus on the cross. Yours too. So when you and I fail God, as we do almost every day, no longer are we condemned under the law. We go to God, we admit our mistakes, we turn away from them and we ask him for his forgiveness through Jesus. And then, then we get on with life. We died to that whole rule-based thing and now there's a whole new life ahead of us. That's the whole point. Not to mope around like nothing's changed. Not to whinge and complain about things. Not to live as though we're still condemned men and women. But to live a new, vibrant life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. 
and see, everything has become new. Hello, wake up. This is fantastic news. And the thing that changes now is our hearts. Once we're not condemned anymore, once we're free, once we're enjoying Jesus and the presence of his spirit, man, we want to do his will. We want to live out righteousness. God's ways become a whole bunch easier because instead of pulling against them, we're so delighted with this new life, we just want to live it out with him for his glory. And that's why we want to do it his way. It's exactly what Paul writes in his New Testament letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We obey God, which we should, not because we're rule-bound to do so, not because we're dragged into that place kicking and screaming, but because he is at work in us, enabling us not just to do what's right, but to want to do what's right. That's huge. This is the gospel of grace and of love and of mercy, all made possible by Jesus dying for you and me, so our sins could be forgiven and rising again from the dead, that we may have a brand new life in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom he sends to dwell in each one of us, each person who puts their faith in Jesus. You know, you stand back and you think about what God has done, and you think, that is just awesome. I mean, if that isn't good news, tell me what is. all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something truly important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to live out the abundant life that Jesus died and rose again to bring them. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. In fact, each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach almost 3,000 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called Laying Hold of Your New Life. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond and I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.